Hello again, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, the show where I do a little ranting, raving, and wand-waving. Today we're talking all about the business of being pagan, namely bricks-and-mortar pagan stores. I've got a new book to review in the book review of Shadows, and we've got a new segment called Sketchy Herbs and Magic Rocks, where I talk all about the magical uses of sketchy herbs and magic rocks. The whole show is really focused on prosperity, so if you're a witch and you're looking to conjure up a million dollars, this might be the show for you. Hi everyone, it's Paige, the Fat Feminist Witch, and it is April 28th, i.e. the first day of a new Mercury retrograde phase, which is um, not super fun, not super fun, nobody really likes it, but that's okay. As we learned in my last Mercury Retrograde podcast, it's really not as big of a deal as some people think it is. It requires a little extra work, but it's mostly about taking a few weeks to slow down and assess where you are and and kind of just be grateful for what's going right. So good luck, everyone. It's also right before Beltane. Beltane is this Sunday. So if you celebrate Beltane, I hope you have an excellent time. I will be in London celebrating with the local uh, Druid Grove out there. They're going to be doing a maypole dance and everything at Gibbons Park. So if you're going to be in London this weekend, come and say hi if you recognize me. (laughs) I know it's been a whole hundred years since I put up an episode, and I really, really do apologize for that. I sincerely apologize for it taking so long. Um... The reason for that is that now that the show has attracted so many great listeners, i.e. all of you, I've been trying to figure out how to make the podcast better. I have been recording it on my phone and hosting it for free this whole time, and this has led to a ton of issues. I've deleted an episode, an entire episode, more times than I want to admit now just recorded it and then it was deleted or corrupted or ruined and just not usable. And it's happened so many times that it it's kind of made me hate recording. And I love having the podcast. I love recording the podcast. I love putting it out there. I love the feedback. But when it's constantly, constantly, constantly going wrong, it really, really gets to me. So now I'm looking into better audio equipment, better editing software, and I want to get some music. And, you know, I just, want to, I just want to update what I'm doing with the show. Unfortunately for me, capitalism is a thing, and uh, I have to live within the realm of what I can afford. As some of you know, I started the podcast last year after leaving my job at a metaphysical store. And when I worked there... It became very clear to me that my dream of running a metaphysical store was something that I'm I'm very, very able to do in the future. Not right now, again, because I need money, but this is something that I'm good at and that I could absolutely do. And it's something I've always wanted for myself. So after I left my job, I didn't really want to go back to working in fast food or anything like that. I knew it would shift my focus that I might lose the drive and the motivation that I've built up over the last six months, or over that six months anyways, um, to pursue being a full-time witch. That's what I really want. So I ended up applying for employment insurance and getting that, and that's when I started the show. I was at home all the time. I started the show. I started the blog. I started an Etsy store. And after a few months, I was very fortunate to find a part-time job in a metaphysical store But now that I'm doing this, all of my expenses have gotten a little bit larger. So now I'm paying for hosting. I'm paying for web hosting. I'm making things that go in my Etsy store. So I'm paying for supplies. Yada, yada, yada. All that super fun stuff. And I've been trying to live on the cheap so that I can give myself the time and the resources I need to build up my witchy empire. Uh, I'm still not rich, obviously. So now I'm going to go ahead and ask for help, which I'm not very good at. So if you like the show and you would like to help it improve, please consider making monthly donations. Oh my gosh, I sound like PBS. (laughs) Oh my. So please consider making monthly donations or shopping online through some of the affiliate links that I've put up on the website. So if you go to thefatfeministwitch.com slash support, There's a new page there with all these links of how you can support the podcast. There is a link to my Etsy store. Everything you buy from my Etsy store will go directly into furthering the the show and the blog. 
And I've also set up affiliate links to a couple of businesses that I really like. So one of them is Amazon.ca, and there you can purchase books that I've reviewed on the on the podcast or that I just have already read and I really recommend to people. And you can buy them through Amazon. It all still works just like you're shopping on Amazon. The only difference is that Amazon will give me a little bit of commission after. So if you already shop for witchy books on Amazon, please consider checking it out through my store. I've also put up links to Stonebridge, which is an Ontario-based stone and crystal retailer. They also do wholesale, so if any of you own a metaphysical shop, they have awesome, an awesome selection of stones and crystals. It's a Canadian-based business, so if you're in Canada, the prices are reasonable. The shipping is good. The shipping is fast. They have salt lamps. They have small pocket stones. They have larger collectible items. They have crystal skulls, crystal hearts. They have jewelry that's made with crystals. So I've put up a link to them there, and again, if you shop through that link, I will get just a little bit of commission. And I've put up a link to Richter's. Richter's is an incredibly well-known Ontario-based greenhouse business. So they, they sell plants, seeds, and, and dried herbs. There are some other witchy bloggers out there that I know order from Richter's. Sarah Ann Lawless, who makes flying ointments, like old-school traditional witchcraft, really creepy flying ointments. They're so cool. She orders from Richter's. That's actually how I found out who they were a few years ago. So there you can order belladonna if you're looking for it in seed form. You can order stuff like mugwort. You can order dried herbs, uh, almost any variety of dried herbs. You can order seeds if you want to grow it from seed yourself. So check out Richter's if you are an herb witch and you are looking for a source of great witchy herbs. Outside of the affiliate links in the Etsy store, what I've also set up is a crowdfunding account that's directly through Podbean. So if you're listening on the Podbean app right now, I believe you have an option to contribute via the crowdfunding page. If not, you can. Um, it'll be in the description for the podcast here. You can find it on the website, thefatfeministwitch.com, or on the podcast hosting website, which is fatfeministwitch.podbean.com. There's tons of links there. And you can contribute a dollar a month, or I think I have it up to 30, but 30 I think is a little bit ridiculous. I put it there just for kind of a lark. I don't know if anyone has that much money and wants to give it to me. If you do, awesome. But if you don't, a dollar is so much more than I could I could ever imagine even getting from anybody. With every amount, it, it's just like it's just like any sort of Kickstarter or anything like that. Every time you donate a little bit more, there's set amounts you get something out of it, right? So if you donate a dollar, I am eternally grateful and I'm constantly sending you good vibes. If you donate a little bit more, you, you'll get things like mentions on the show. So if you pledge $3 a month, you'll get a special mention on the show after you do your donation and I'll also list you on the website as a contributor. So that's pretty cool for $3. For $5, you'll be mentioned on the show and the website, but you'll also get a, um, a class handout that I make. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I do a really good job with that. I got excellent marks on all of my handouts in, in school, in college. Um, our next levels are $7, $13, $13 mostly because it makes me laugh. And you'll get stuff like you get mentioned on the website, you'll get class handouts, You'll get to select a topic for the show. So if you really want to select a topic for one show and like any topic you want, and I will research the heck out of it and I will lay it out exactly the way you want for $7 a month, you can get that. If you do $13, you get a free ride for my online uh, black salt class, which is up on Coursecraft. So you do that, you get into the black salt class, you get a handout, you get listed on the website and mentioned in the show as a contributor, and at the end of every single episode, you'll be listed as an executive producer of the show. So at the end of every single episode I do, you or your business or whatever name that you give me will be listed as an executive producer and you'll be posted on the, on the website. If you do the, go that crazy road and pledge $30 a month to me, which would drive me so crazy like it would it would make me so happy that I think I'd cry I just I can't imagine anyone feeling like I'm worth that much money every month oh that's sad anyways <laughs> if you do that not only will you get all that stuff I already mentioned before 
But if you keep that donation level up for six months, I will send you any tarot deck that you want. Literally any tarot deck that you want, as long as I can find a copy of it, you'll, you can get it. And I will make a, a custom tarot bag just for you. So if you are looking for some fun stuff or you want to help out the show, those are a few ways you can do it with money. Not everybody has money. I don't have any money, which is why I'm asking for it. So if you don't have any money and you can't contribute, please don't feel like you are less worthy as a listener. Just listening to the show, I can't even express how much it means to me to have so many of you listening and commenting and sending me messages. Like, it's 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 mind-blowing. I never imagined that so many people would listen to what I have to say and to, <laughs> to like it. <laughs> um... It honestly just just means so much to me. And beyond that, sharing the podcast around on your social media accounts and just posting a review or subscribing on iTunes and Podbean does a lot more than I think people really realize. It honestly does a lot. If I ever want to get regular sponsors or sell ad space or something on the show... If I ask someone to be a sponsor for the show and they go on iTunes and they say, well, no one's reviewed it and I don't see that you have a lot of subscribers or anything, there's no proof that anyone even listens to your show. <laughs> they're, not, they're not really going to want to be involved. So if you like the show and you can contribute money, there are a few ways you can do that while also getting some stuff for yourself. And I will be adding more affiliates as I get them. So if you guys have a... If you guys have a favorite retailer or wholesaler or something that you think sells a really great product, please let me know and I will check them out. And if they, if I like them and they have an affiliate program, I will sign up and, and make it available to you guys that way so that you can help me out while buying your favorite stuff. And if you just share the podcast around, review and subscribe on iTunes and Podbean, it would just, it would mean the world to me. Okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit like like a, like a used car salesman. Ick. I'm not a fa money fan so much. So that's enough shameless self-promotion and marketing and begging. So now let's get into the real topic today. We're going to be talking about the business of owning a metaphysical shop. April marks one year since I started working in metaphysical stores. I've worked in two metaphysical stores and I've taught in a few others. I've been involved behind the scenes in a few of them, I teach classes, I do events at like the festival circuit and stuff, and I'm a very, very perceptive person. I've seen what works, what drives people away, what kind of clientele you're actually going to get opening one of these stores, and I'm going to crush some of your dreams just a little bit, because I'm sure everyone has dreamed about owning their own store, and it's not exactly what you imagine. So that's what we're talking about today. I've got a new book review up, so... This book is directly related to this. This book is called Drawing the Three of Coins by Terry Pajanin. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. So, um, Terry, if you don't mind me using your first name. If I'm pronouncing your last name improperly and you hear this, for the love of God, please tell me because I hate doing that. So Drawing the Three of Coins is a, is a book written by Terry here, who was a female metaphysical shop owner out of Toronto. Now, I came across this book kind of kind of randomly, and I honestly can't remember how I even found out about it. But I saw that it was written by a Canadian woman in f and in fairly recent years, or it had been updated in recent years. It was originally written in 2005, and the version, the Kindle version that I purchased was updated in 2012. So that's that's really not that long ago. And doing some research after I I wrote up my review, I found that she is personally selling another reviewed update as of 2014. So she's constantly working on this project of hers. So this book is all about running or opening and running a pagan store. The book was really easy to read and really easy to follow. It made a bunch of points that I hadn't thought of, and it validated a lot of the stuff that I had seen in my personal experience. It covered everything from choosing a name and how the store is going to look to dealing with certain types of clientele. Um, it gives you a list of wholesalers and suppliers that you used. It talks about laying out your store, talks about scaring people off. 
and it, it it gives a lot of wake up calls for the stuff for the stuff that I saw in the in the metaphysical shop industry that doesn't live up to the you know the fictional dream that we all have. So I gave the book four crystal balls out of five, and I'm gonna mingle my review of the book in with my points about running a store. So forgive me if you want just a review of the book. You can find it on the blog at thefatfeministwitch.com. But I gave this book four out of five crystal balls, and that's only because it was slightly outdated and just a little bit vague. But like I said, there is a new updated version that I haven't read. So my favorite thing about this book and my favorite topic, subtopic within this larger topic that I'm going to talk about today is that it's full of wake up calls, wake up calls. The dream that everyone has about running their witch shop that you get from things like books and movies is you have this little cottage style store full of books where money doesn't really matter. <laughs> Everything is kind of cheap. And the people who run the store are either a family or a coven that work out of the store, that run it, and who are actively using the store for recruit recruiting members for their covens or for classes. Everyone there is able to drop whatever they're doing at any point to make you a cup of tea and to read your cards. And since the clientele is all local pagans and covens, everyone wants to help you out. There are regular rituals and classes and just like kind of hangouts at the shop. And the shop cat loves everyone and it is kind of like suspiciously human, like he's got really human features and he maybe acts kind of human. This is like the cutest dream, right? Doesn't this describe every metaphysical shop in every single book? That describes all of them. And that's the dream, obviously. You just, you don't think about money a lot. And it's so cute, but it's it's kind of ridiculous. And I'm not saying that none of those things can exist in a store, because they absolutely can. But what I'm saying is that they're not going to exist in every store. First things first, I want to start with the pagan community and the role they're going to play in your store. When people open up a shop that is pagan or metaphysical or witchy or new age, or I mean any of that, it's, it's a big old blanket term here. If you are a part of the pagan community and you open a store like that, you imagine that the pagan community is going to be your main clientele, that you are going to see all of these people that you see at Ritual or who post online on the local pagan chat rooms. Oh my god, chat rooms, they don't even exist. I mean, Facebook groups, Facebook groups, I'm not old. You imagine you're going to see all of those people, that's who's going to be there. I imagine the same thing. Last year when I was interviewing for my job at the metaphysical store that ultimately went bad. I'm going to keep saying it because I'm slightly bitter. But when I was interviewing for that job, I actually said, you know, I've been a member of the pagan community here in Windsor for almost 20 years now, and I know quite a few people. So I've already got a little bit of like, you know, a, a client list that I can bring in with me. I've got people that I can advertise to. I know the kind of stuff people are looking for, and I have a direct line to customers. And even the woman who was interviewing me was like, wow, that's that's great, because she had never owned a store like this either, so she had no idea. The reality was that in my six months at that store, I saw maybe three people <laughs> that I recognized as part of the local pagan community and who are recognizable to other people that aren't me in the local pagan community. And if they were friends of mine, realistically, they were there because I was there. They were coming to visit. They are coming to check it out. They didn't come in there to shop. Not really. And I was, I was a little bit shocked by this. And this is something that's driven home in this book, this book, Drawing the Three of Coins. She really mentions it, which I was very appreciative of, because it's one thing that really stood out to me. The pagan community, I don't know exactly what it is. And the pagan community in Windsor is not so super close-knit. So maybe it's different other places. But what I've noticed is that if someone is pagan, they've they've got stuff. Not only do they already have stuff, so they're not going to buy like a lot of altar tools or statuary maybe, but even other stuff. They've got brands they like. They've got places that they like to shop. Maybe they are an avid online shopper. I am not. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. But maybe they've got a really great online source for all of the stuff they use. Their practice, their rituals, their their sabbats, everything that they do is already established with the kind of stuff that they can get. Now, 
if they are ordering stuff online from a supplier that you are ordering from in your store and you have the same stuff that they buy online, then the price is the same, but maybe cheaper because there's no shipping, there's a good chance that maybe they'll start buying it from you instead of buying it online. But I want to emphasize this. They're not going to buy it from you just to support you. They won't. That's the bottom line with the pagan community is that they will probably post on Facebook, hey, support a local like pay-in shop. But they will not spend more money or shop in a place that they're just not fond of to buy the stuff that they need for their religious practice just to support you. If you have something that they want at a great price or if you are a great store that has something that they use and the price is maybe a little bit more, maybe they will shop at your place. But they will never do you a favor. <laughs> never do you a favor. It just doesn't work like that. And a lot of people go into the metaphysical store business thinking that the pagan community is going to be their main clientele and is going to fully support them, and they won't. What the long-standing pagan community will buy from your store is consumable goods. Your incense, your candles, maybe stones, maybe stones, uh, pocket stones and stuff like that. I would almost consider that a consumable good, even though stones, you know, for the most part last forever, especially smaller stuff. It's easy to lose them. It's easy to need more of them. So, you know, maybe if you use a lot of stones in your practice or you're building crystal grid, stuff like that, you might need to replenish that. Some stones stop working, their energy stops feeling right. Some of them fall apart, like hematite. So stones are a semi-consumable good. Books are a consumable good. People will come in for that. Um, so that's the kind of stuff the long-standing pagan community is going to come in for, and none of that is very expensive. So if you have lots of statuary and altar tools and robes and garments and stuff like that. That stuff will only be purchased one time by each person. No one's going to buy a new athame every month. It's just not going to happen. So you need to, if you want to attract uh, the, the members of the pagan community or people who've been pagan for a long time, the, the pagans, you need lots and lots and lots of consumable goods and you need to make sure that those can support your business. Likewise with classes, classes that you can do all the time, stuff like 101 stuff, the pagan community is not coming out for that. In general, the pagan community is probably not coming out for most of your classes unless you're doing something very advanced or very unique or that has a bunch of like stuff that people get to leave with. Otherwise, you're never going to see those people. So don't get wrapped up waiting on the pagan community to support your business because there's a really good chance it won't happen. And that makes people sad. And if you're realizing now that you are a member of the pagan community that never supports local pagan stores, I want you to think about why you don't. Is it because you have a great source for all of the stuff you use? Or is it other reasons? So that's an unfortunate truth about running a metaphysical store is your clientele. Newcomers will be buying stuff like your altar tools and your one-on-one classes. And they'll still be buying your consumable goods like books and stuff like that, tarot decks, you know, what have you. And they will be spending money on stuff like statuary and stuff that older pagans might not need anymore. Those clients are also a lot more work. You absolutely need to put more effort into selling stuff to these people, as well as getting in the right stuff, because a lot of them are following the advice of books, you know? So a lot of people start with Wicca, and they think they need all, all, all the stuff for their Wiccan altar, and so you need to have all that stuff. If they can only find two or three things from you, they will find another store, and they might just stick with it. If you want to sell stuff like altar tools, you have to sell all of the altar tools, and you have to cater to these beginners. You have to have classes for beginners. You have to be friendly and polite. You have to take the time to maybe make them a cup of tea and talk to them for a little while. Don't let it upset your business, obviously, but you have to take that time with beginners because that's the way they're going to shop and they're going to feel comfortable. 
I've been to stores where they are not comfortable helping people out. They just want to sell you stuff, honestly. And that's not, that's kind of a gray area to me. It's, there's nothing wrong with them being available to sell me stuff. I don't expect everyone in the grocery store to change my life when I buy kale or something. But when it comes to something to do with religion or spirituality, I kind of do expect them to just change my life just a little bit. Not totally, but just a little bit. So I don't really like stores that don't have anything for beginners. Uh, if I walk into a place and they don't have any sort of altar tools or anything, even though I'm not in the market for altar tools, I'm like, eh, I don't really care. If it's nothing but glittery jewelry and, like, angel card decks and soap, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much out. I'm pretty much out. So you need to find that, that good balance between useful, helpful, and cool. There's a way to get all of that. So you can get your beginners and your long-standing pagans. But your beginners are going to make you more money. <laughs> so make sure you're set up for that. You also have to kind of be careful not to scare people. I want to preface this by saying that if you are prejudiced, especially against like witchcraft and stuff like that, I will think you're a bag of trash. A metaphysical store I went into that I thought was not good, they sold a lot of really cool stuff like voodoo and hoodoo items and cauldrons and like all this really, really neat witchy stuff. That's kind of hard to find other places, but they kept it in the back of the store. And I heard the owner say out loud that ha that has to be kept in the back left of the store. Because that is where people are least likely to see it. And people with money are afraid of stuff like that. I found that totally disgusting. And offensive. As a witch who uses, like, creepy shit, like cauldrons and stuff, I don't like any of that. If you think pentacles scare away people with money, and you think cauldrons are too scary and you don't want to scare away anyone that might want to buy your, like, your kind of fluffy white light stuff... Honestly, fuck you. I don't want to shop in that store. But there is a difference between being a bigot and making sure that everyone feels comfortable. So in the book, she never, uh, you know, drawing the three of coins, she never outright judged anybody for what they want to run, what they want to put in their store, which I really liked. Because if you want to have a store and you cater to the left-hand path, satanic customers, maybe really legit voodoo and santeria and stuff like that that, that tends to freak out um, the average person on the street who doesn't know what they're doing. If you want to sell that stuff, just make sure you can. Make sure you don't need the money from those average people on the street to have a business. Make sure that you know that that is a niche market. If you don't want to scare away those average folks, don't make your store scary. And that sounds outrageous and it sounds ridiculous, but don't use Halloween decorations to decorate your store. Don't put dripping blood and guts. Don't make everything black and red vampire themed. You know what I mean? If you want to have a store that's open to anybody and where anyone can feel comfortable shopping, you just have to recognize that it's important to have all of that stuff coexist without any one thing taking over anything else there. And that's really the that's really the, the ticket there. And that's how you get the average person to come into your store and to spend money and to ask questions and to want to learn from you without, you know, alienating anyone else. Within that business model, the greatest way I've seen that work is in Salem, Massachusetts. There are two stores that are owned by, I think it's a few people that own these two stores. And these two stores are kind of, you know, the heads and tails of a coin. So you have Omen and you have Hex. Omen, like the walls are painted bright yellow and everything in it is what would normally be described as light magic. So there's lots of beginner stuff, there's lots of Wicca, there's lots of angel stuff. Um, there's a public altar in there that is for healing magic. So if you need to pray for healing or pray for healing for somebody else, you can do that there at Omen. On another street nearby, still walking distance, 
is Hex, and this is the opposite. The colors in the store are a little bit darker. They sell items for people who, who practice hoodoo or voodoo or traditional witchcraft, and there is an altar inside the store for the dead. So if you need to communicate with the dead, if you need to pray for someone who has passed on, stuff like that, there is an altar for that there. This has co completely eliminated this idea that anyone will get who who could get scared of that stuff that's in hex doesn't ever have to go there to support the business. They can support the business without feeling ever even remotely uncomfortable. They can go into omen, they can get all the stuff that they want. And then vice versa. People who want the stuff that's at hex, they never have to, you know, sift through all this other stuff that that's not useful to them. They also don't have to interact with clientele that they won't like or won't jive with. It just it makes sense to have all of the people in the store have this similar interest, this similar vibe, this similar idea. It's going to make everyone in the store just get along a little bit better. I have a feeling they make a lot of friends with those two stores. So maybe consider something like that um, if you really want to copy someone else's really, really great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea, and I've been waiting for someone else to copy it for like the last year now. It's just so good. Another thing you want to consider if you're starting a store is uh, letting yourself lose focus. So there's lots of stores out there, especially metaphysical stores these days, who don't really know what they're doing or who they're catering to or what they're selling. So I'm not saying that selling body products like, you know, lip balm or soap or any of that stuff... I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't belong in a metaphysical store because it's your store. You can put whatever you want in it and natural health and body products and stuff like that are very much a related business to for pagans. It's 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 very related. Lots of pagans prefer to use natural items, natural soaps. They prefer to eat organic foods. Some of them are vegan or vegetarian and that's part of their religious practice. All of that makes sense to me. But your soap better be like a ritual soap if you're selling witchcraft in your store. If your store is supposed to be like a religious hub for me and you're just selling random soap, I don't know. I don't feel that. I just don't, I don't feel that at all. You know, I don't think it's very hard to take a soap that's made with, with herbs and oils and stuff like that and say, you know, this is patchouli soap and patchouli is for wealth and luxury. So if you're trying to attract money, use this patchouli soap before your ritual. That's not that hard. That's not any harder than saying patchouli soap, great for the skin, earthy aroma. Like, it's just not that hard to magic it up a little bit. And what I see at a lot of stores is this, I feel like the store's being pulled in two ways. I don't really need to buy basic soap and stuff like that while I'm trying to shop for my candles and incense and books and like ritual items. You know what I mean? Does this make sense to you guys? Same with like bath salts, stuff like that. If they don't have a, a metaphysical or magical spin on them, I would ask yourself why you're selling that. And do you just want to open a soap store? Because if you just want to open a, a soap and natural health food store, do that. <laughs> There's a million, you'll make so much money. People love that stuff. So be careful with stuff like that. That's just something that you know people will buy. You put it there just to get my money, and I don't I don't like that. I don't feel like the store is super legit. Now, having some soap, having locally made soap, being able to tell me if they have any ritual applications, I'm pumped, and I'll buy your soap. So just be aware of that. Don't sell anything in your store that you can't explain to somebody. So... Stones are incredibly popular. Stones and crystals. So many people use stones and crystals. People who are not witches, but are, are more new age, spiritual minded, um, they buy stones and crystals as well. So you're opening up yourself to a lot of clientele if you, if you carry those. But if you don't give a shit about stones and crystals, if you can't tell me what they all do, or if you don't have like a like a reference guide somewhere there that you're willing to look up, if you're not willing to learn, if you just don't care about stones and crystals, carrying them in your store just to make money is disgusting. If I can't ask you what something in your store does and get a clear answer from you, I will leave. So 
you don't have to know what every single one of the 700 varieties of stone you have. You don't need to know all the properties of those. Okay, I'm, I'm a realistic person. Get yourself a couple, a copy of at least volume one of the Crystal Bible by Judy Hall. I'm being very specific because it's the best one. She has three volumes out. Get at least the first one. The descriptions are clear and concise. They are separated by like physical attributes, healing, metaphysical stuff. They have clear color photographs and they describe what each color of every stone does. Um, and like I said, there's three volumes and the stones get more and more rare as you go through. There's nothing wrong with being like, you know what? I'm not 100% sure what that bloodstone does. I'm not 100%. Let me grab my reference book and let's let us let's look through it together to see if it does what you want. That's totally okay because you are prepared, you are willing to learn, and you are willing to help. If you don't care about stones, please don't carry them. If you don't care about herbs or you don't know what those herbs do, absolutely don't carry them because that poses significant risk. Lots of stones have metals involved in them and chemicals and whatever, right? They're from the earth and there's tons of poisonous trash <laughs> that is just natural to our planet. So if someone is buying stones and you don't know what you're talking about and they're like, oh, can I just plop this stone in a glass of water and drink it? And you say, yeah, absolutely. And it turns out that that stone is very toxic. Guess what? You just might have killed somebody. If you're carrying herbs and you don't really know what you're talking about, and a pregnant lady comes in and says, hey, can I drink this mugwort tea? And you say, yeah, people can totally drink mugwort tea. And she loses her baby because pregnant women should never ingest mugwort. You just killed somebody. If you don't know anything about a certain type of witchcraft or a certain type of magic or a certain magical ingredient, don't try to sell it just for money's sake. If you have to hire another person to be your expert in just that one thing, I guess go ahead and do it. I think it's better to have a store where you don't sell stones and crystals and don't cater to that market than to have a stone where you sell stones and crystals but don't know what you're selling and can't help anyone use it. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I feel very strongly about that, by the way. Maybe you can tell. Another thing that I dislike about metaphysical stores, both shopping in and working in, is if you're far too focused on making money and it's not just exhibited in your prices or your products or, or what have you, but in the type of magic that you do in your store. People who run metaphysical and new age shops use their spirituality, their magic, their skills, whatever, to help improve their business. This is just normal. So in a lot of these stores, you'll go into them and you'll see like a tiny little altar behind the counter and maybe they've got some candles burning and some incense and they've got some rocks there or some statues, whatever you can see that they've done a spell or something. If you are very in tune with energy or you are you're clairsentient and you feel things, sometimes you can walk into a place and you can feel that they've done stuff. So maybe you can walk into a place and you can feel like, oh, this person's lit a candle for happiness. That's so, that's so nice. You know, everyone in this store seems like they're having a really good time and people who are working here look really happy and they're laughing and I love that. By the same token... <laughs> especially people who can feel stuff, which are a lot of the people that come into your store. If you are constantly lighting candles for money and you're burning incense for money and you're throwing money magic out all over the place and you just have this money rich person vibe dripping from the walls, it's gross and it's sleazy. It's so gross and so, so sleazy. You can feel it. There is a store in my city that is like that. And you walk in the door and you get hit with this feeling in your body, on your skin. You can smell it. And it feels like someone has all this old, dirty money and they're rubbing it all over you, right in your face, on your skin. You can feel the like hard, scratchy cotton. Ugh. It's disgusting. And it's no shock that the prices within the store are astronomically high. So the prices are high. The place feels like it's dripping with money. Uh, but you know everyone there makes minimum wage. I mean, that's just not... I don't want to support a business like that. 
And people who can feel things don't want to support a business like that. That store specifically, I've had other people tell me the same thing, that they don't feel comfortable going in there because they can feel this this energy like we want we want to take your money so they don't feel comfortable asking questions because that person's going to respond with whatever they need to say to make that person buy something they're not going to tell you if this candle's any good they're going to tell you why you should buy it and they will probably lie maybe not but the likelihood of them lying is a lot higher if all they want is your money so be very aware of stuff like that. If you're constantly burning money incense or lighting money candles, clear that out once in a while. Grab your sage or, or whatever and clear the space out and light a candle for something else. Light a candle for something like, I hope we have a really nice day. Light a candle for, I hope we attract some, some people with psychic gifts today. I, I'd, I'd like to talk to people about psychic gifts. Maybe light candles to attract people to just come and look at your store. There's a million other ways for you to do magic to increase the prosperity and the success of your store without making it feel sleazy. Watch out for sleaze because this is a big deal. The flip side of sleaze, and this is the big one. This is it. So in Windsor, we have a couple of very successful metaphysical stores, and we always have at least one store, sometimes two that are struggling financially. And they've been struggling financially since they opened because the people who opened the store had no idea what they were doing and didn't have any money. <laughs> and trying to make your dreams happen on a dime is so admirable. And I feel for you, I really do. But if you don't have any stuff and you can't order in the stuff I want and you're not even operating like with a business license and you have no insurance and like you don't have a phone number or an email address, I'm not going to shop at your store because you're ill prepared. <laughs> you're ill prepared. You obviously don't want my money because you didn't put in any of the work to get me as a, cl as a client and a customer. I don't like that. You have to be prepared. You have to have some startup. You have to take what you're doing very seriously. A lot of people... A lot of pagans, they're like allergic to money. They just never have any. They don't consider it. And that's part of that dream, right? Money doesn't matter. People can just stop working like on a second's notice to help you with whatever witchy life crisis you've got going on. And they can use up all of their tea and their time and they can give you free tarot readings because they don't care about money. This is so beautiful. And I would love it if I was rich enough to own a store where I just didn't care and was just like, wee, free stuff. How great would that be? But that's not reality. And if you have no money, please don't open a bricks and mortar store full of nothing. I mean, if you have less money and you don't have a lot of money for inventory, at least get a smaller store. But just, I live in the real world where I have to be professional. I have to be. And when I try to get employment, when I try to sell myself myself as a teacher, when I try to market myself as a podcaster or whatever, I still have to maintain a level of professionalism and I still have to put the work in. If you aren't willing to do that, then I'm, I'm not willing to shop at your store. Wait until you have money to open up. Save up. Do the research. Please do not be another one of these stores where they sink all of their money they have, which is usually like 300 bucks, into opening a store only to have it fail two months later. That's just not effective. And we don't need stores like that anymore. Like the world doesn't need stores like that, especially in our day and age now where you can buy any of the stuff that you need online. Even if you don't like shopping online to get the stuff you need, you will go online. I would rather shop online, which I dislike, than going into a store where they don't have anything, where the store is sparsely filled and almost has like kind of a creepy vibe, and where I know they don't take their, their business and their practice seriously. I just don't like that. So... Don't be dripping with money and sleaze, but don't be super, super broke either. You need to be prepared for what you're doing, and you need to understand that money isn't the ultimate marker of success within this business. 
Okay, so remember how I described everyone's dream store that we all envision from, like, <laughs> movies and books and stuff like that? I'm going to go ahead and tell you about my favorite metaphysical store. It's the best metaphysical store I've ever been to in my life. It's very witchy. And I've mentioned it before. It's called The Coven's Cottage. It's in Salem, Massachusetts, which I know, I know, we can't all be in Salem. But it was in Salem, Massachusetts, and this store had a small cottage vibe. It had that vibe. And it was incredibly witchy. The people who run it are a family. <laughs> They're a family that owns it. There were herbs hanging from the ceiling that they grow themselves, that they dry and then sell in packages. There were limited stones and crystals, and everybody could tell me anything about the stones and crystals that they do sell. They did sell books. They did sell candles. They did sell incense. They did sell jewelry. They also sold tea, little besoms. They sold lots of locally handmade things that were not of poor quality, but were actually very good quality. So the stuff in the Coven's Cottage was, was excellent quality. The incense was great. The store had a theme. The store is very Celtic, Norse, Germanic, and they sell stuff for that type of practice. So there are runes all over the place. All of the books are about Celtic, Druid, Norse, Germanic, about those traditions, about those holidays, about all of that stuff. If you are following a Celtic or Norse path, this is the place for you to go. Now, I do not. But I still found the store to be wonderfully laid out. The people were super helpful, helpful, super friendly. It still had that real old world vibe because you have a lot of natural items all over the store, like the herbs, and there were wildcrafted bones and um, lots of wooden stuff, stuff that they made by hand. Lots of wood, actually, like it had like nice wood floors and wood shelving. It was just, it was so, so cool. And this is my favorite store that I've ever been in. It's also one of the smallest stores that I've been in. And that's no mistake. Because the store was small, it was perfectly filled with as much stuff as, as it could be. It wasn't overfilled and it wasn't underfilled. It had the right amount of stuff. And if you look them up on Facebook, they're getting new stuff all of the time. Everyone there wanted to help. The psychic that was there on hand was wonderful. Uh, we sat there, we chatted, she reassured me, she just made me feel good. And I had gone in kind of late at the end of the day after being in the store two times, because I, I was so in love with them. And it was just a really relaxed feeling, even though it was a super busy weekend in Salem, Massachusetts in October. That's the best store I've ever been to in my life. And it was the closest I've ever seen anyone get to the dream. Now, a lot of the stuff that they had there was locally made, Salem made, stuff that they made themselves. There were people on hand that had made the stuff that you could talk to and ask them about it. How amazing is that? The herbs, they all grow themselves. I mean, this is this is the Great White Buffalo of Great White Buffalo of retail jobs, as my friend would say. It was mind-blowingly good. But that's the closest I have ever seen anyone get ever. <laughs> they didn't have a shop cat. <laughs> they didn't have a shop cat, but that's okay. No one's got a shop cat anymore. I'll forgive it. So that's the best and the worst. The best, very unique, very well organized, not overshooting it. They didn't get this gigantic store and fill it with garbage. It was a small space that they filled with authentic items and they knew what everything was. The worst is a giant store filled with garbage that nobody needs and no one can tell you how it works. So keep stuff like that in mind. Keep authenticity in mind if you are starting a store. When you're shopping at a store, I want you to keep this stuff in mind as well. Do not support shitty stores. Just don't. You don't have to. You can shop online. You can go into those smaller stores and say, hey, I need this kind of item. Is that something you can get? Because I can almost guarantee you any store will order something in for you. Expect more from your pagan shops. Like I said, bad quality is just, it's a signature for pagan stores, and we don't need to accept that. This sleazy money vibe is present in most of the biggest stores, and we don't need that. You don't need to accept that. So, if you want to learn a little bit more about starting your own pagan store, I really recommend checking out Drawing the Three of Cards by Terry Pajanan. She covered all of the things that I just did 
especially the stuff about the the pagan clientele. She really talked about that, which I was very appreciative of because it's the one thing that stood out the most to me from working in a metaphysical store. Uh, she also talked about legality. So she talked, she shared a story about how she used to have athames just in this random like bookshelf type case that anyone could grab because, you know, why wouldn't you? It's a ritual tool. But she's in a very busy part of downtown Toronto. I believe she was on Queen Street, which is awesome. But, you know, it's wild. She tells this story about this guy who was just boasting and he grabbed the knife and he's waving it around and just acting like a crazy person. And I had to laugh because it's it's just such a Toronto thing to happen. It was really cool. Um, but you have to be careful with stuff like that. Is it even legal for you to sell knives where you are? Is it legal for you to sell them to minors? Do you have to ask for ID? Do they have to be under lock and key? Do they have to be the right size? Looking into stuff like that is important. Same with anything like herbs. Anything you might ingest. Oh my god. You have to have warning labels on stuff like that. Not just knowing what you're talking about, but you have to know what you're talking about, and then you have to, like, for idiots it. You have to put a warning on the label every single time. So it talks about the legality of stuff like that. Uh, the one reason that this book got four out of five crystal balls instead of five is that the book was really, really short. And some of the book was fairly vague. So the book is short and she says right at the beginning that this is more about the pagan side of business than the business side of business. If you want to learn how to open a business and how to save money and like what kind of expenses you should have, get yourself a business book. And she's she's pretty right. But I would have liked a little bit more for numbers like I didn't find it was worth it to spend more than this amount on statuary. I didn't find it was a good deal to spend more than this amount on the incense I bought. Um, when I was buying bulk herbs, this price was what I would consider a fair and decent price. Anything more than this would be too much. Like, I would have liked that a little bit because it's very easy to get hosed. Just a heads up of what's a normal price for stuff. Uh, she did give a list of suppliers. Many of the suppliers were American, which I found very disappointing considering she was a Canadian store. Uh, but in 2005, the Canadian and U.S. dollars were on par. Oh, it was such a beautiful time. And around 2012, when the book was updated, they were just kind of starting to flip around. So they still weren't that bad. Right now, it's like so not worth it to buy American stuff. So... I found that the list of wholesalers was like slightly disappointing, but there were some on there that I had never heard of before. I still loved the book. I loved the book. I wish there was a whole other book just like this that was about pagan online business only. Uh, you know, all about your, your online presence and where to list your stores and like how to run a pagan online store. That's the next book, please, Terry, please write this book, because I found this to be incredibly helpful. I loved it. It The store that I would have opened before reading this book is so different from the store that I want to open now. It changed all of my ideas. I mean, the colors, layout, overall vibe, and even the name that I had picked out in my head have all changed since reading this book. Uh, so if you're ever planning on opening your own store someday or you want a little bit learn a little bit more about the business to kind of maybe see if any of the feelings you have about the stores you shop at are maybe true i would really recommend picking up this book you can get it on amazon i think it's 2.99 for the kindle version which i recommend and it's like i said it's very easy to read it's very short it's not going to take up a lot of your time i think this is a good one to check out before you consider opening your store i think it might make some people change their minds about opening a bricks and mortar store and maybe stick with online. So check it out. Okay, everyone, are you ready for our newest segment of the show? It's time for sketchy herbs and magic rocks. <laughs> oh, I can't even say it without laughing. I love it so much. Sketchy herbs and magic rocks, where we talk about the magical uses of sketchy herbs and magic rocks. During the show, I'm going to start uh, picking a theme for the show. Today, it's it's very obviously about prosperity, success, money, business, and I'm going to be highlighting a sketchy herb and a magic rock at the end of the show that you can use to help improve your, that you can help in your magic in this area. So if you are looking to attract prosperity, these are uh, some sketchy herbs and magic rocks that you can use. 
Now for our sketchy herb, I'm going to go with patchouli and I'm going to go with patchouli because it's my favorite. And if you don't like it, you can fall in a hole, I guess. <laughs> Lots of people hate patchouli. They hate it. It smells like a dirty hippie. It actually just smells like dirt, which is what I love about it. It smells like the earth. Patchouli is your ultimate earth herb, ultimate, ultimate earth herb. And it's for anything earthy. So anything like money, um, lust, anything kind of lusty or sexual, fertility, success, prosperity, blah, 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 and your connection to the earth element in general. That is what patchouli does for you. Patchouli is amazing. I think it smells wonderful. If you hate the smell of patchouli, don't use it for love. Oh my God, please don't. Because <laughs> if you really, really hate the smell of patchouli, uh, you don't want to associate sexy time with a smell that you totally hate. You just don't want You don't want it. So with patchouli, that's how you're going to use it. You're going to use it in the realm of anything to do with your earth element. So employ employment, fertility, uh, some healing, money, prosperity, all of that kind of stuff. You can use patchouli as a dried herb, though I find that's not incredibly common. I have dried patchouli, and a couple of the stores here sell it, but this year, I think, or maybe last year was the first time I actually saw anyone using dried patchouli. Otherwise, it's usually used in oil form or in, you know, ready-made incense, so incense cones and sticks. Patchouli oil is not very expensive. Patchouli in general is not very expensive. It's, it's a pretty hardy herb and it grows a lot of patchouli and it's pretty easy to grow. Richter's does sell it in plants and they also sell the seeds and they sell it dried. So if you are looking to have your own patchouli plant that you can use if you use a lot of patchouli like I do, you can get a live plant from Richter's and they will ship it to you. Is that crazy? I like to use patchouli as an incense. I like to burn patchouli and I love the oil. Patchouli oil is the one thing I use the most. I spray it on myself every single day, just a little bit of it. I put it into my bath. I spray it around the house. <laughs> I burn the incense. I, I really like it. You can include some patchouli oil or dried patchouli into a bath. So if you are looking to attract prosperity, if you have a job interview... If you're going out there, maybe you are starting your own metaphysical store business and you're going out there to get a loan or maybe it's your first day or maybe you're cleaning the floors and you want to attract some prosperity. You can use patchouli for that. You can mix it into your bath or shower. You can use it in a shampoo or a, a body wash. You can make a little spray like I do. So I just get a little plastic spray bottle. I put in warm water and many drops of patchouli as you like for aroma. I like it to be a little bit stronger. And then I spray that all over myself just way too much. It's so... People can always smell me coming. It's it's awful, really. I am one of those dirty hippies in the grocery store. But you can put that all over the place. You can put it in your floor wash, and that'll help attract things like prosperity, and it'll help connect you to the earth just a little bit. So if you want to attract some money, I, I suggest having it in the store as long as you don't think it will scare anyone off. Like I said, patchouli is a strong scent and it's one that people either love or totally hate. There's no one that's just okay with patchouli. People, people either like it or they hate it so much that it smells like rotten eggs almost. So be a little bit careful with having a very strong patchouli scent at your business. But otherwise, you can put it all over the place. You can use the dried patchouli and put that in the corners or around the, the baseboards or just around your business. And that won't cause a lot of aroma, but it'll, you'll still have the energy of the herb there. If you want to break a spell, you can also use patchouli. And this is like a really grounding way to use the patchouli. You can mix in patchouli um, leaves and roots and stuff like that. Mix it in with some graveyard dirt and some other herbs, like like probably like angelica seeds. And if you carry that in a mojo bag, that'll ground you and it'll deflect other things and it'll just make you feel a whole lot better. Uh, as far as medicinal stuff goes, there's a lot of, none of it's 100% proven, of course. But patchouli is very calming. It's very calming. Uh, it makes people feel happy. This is why it's thought of to be a love herb. It helps, it's supposed to help balance your hormones. It's supposed to help you secrete endorphins, stuff like that. It's just supposed to make people feel happy and feel calm and feel grounded. 
And those are the best uses for patchouli, I think. I use it because I like it and it makes me feel good every day. But I also think of it almost like a good luck charm. I mean, anything that attracts like love and prosperity and success and emotional well-being, anything like that feels like a good luck charm to me. So I use patchouli on a daily basis for that reason. As far as our magic rocks go, I'm going to stick with something that's not just for prosperity, but also for mercury retrograde. Pyrite is my favorite prosperity stone. Pyrite is ridiculous looking. It's known as fool's gold. So it's this big, sparkly, you know, gold cluster of geometric shapes because it, it grows in kind of big square chunks. It's hard to describe. It almost looks like a big old gold disco ball sometimes. Pyrite is often thought to be the best metaphysical good luck charm. It looks flashy and wild, and it's because pyrite absorbs chaotic energy that's all around you and leaves kind of a calm environment behind. Because it's so it's so reflective, so mirror-like, it deflects harm and it deflects danger, and it's especially helpful when you have kind of a hazardous job. So if you are looking to make money in a in a profession that's a little bit a little bit scary, carrying around a little bit of pyrite can really help you out there. Um, it also helps people who are under control of somebody abusive or controlling by allowing them to break free without losing their cool. So if you have a really awful boss or you have someone that controls your financial well-being, this could be a relationship, a romantic relationship or a boss or something like that, and you really need to break free of that, you need to stop being under that person's thumb. Pyrite is something that can help you give the motivation and the skill to break yourself out of that without losing your cool and putting yourself in a more negative situation, a more dangerous situation. Because of all of these things, it's a really, really, really great stone for Mercury retrograde. It kind of chills things out. The The chaos part is the one you want to think about for Mercury retrograde. It chills things out to the extreme. It looks like a wild and wacky stone and it takes wild and wacky energy and it turns it into something that you can actually use. That's what's important about pyrite. And that really helps with, with work, um, with prosperity, with success as well. If you're stressed out and you're frazzled all the time, it's never going to work out. So with pyrite, what you can do, I have a nice big chunk that I, I just kind of keep with me when I'm doing something to do with my business keep it on my desk and near my computer, around Mercury Retrograde, I kind of just have it with me all the time. Um, you can put it into mojo bags. You can include it in spells. So if you're doing any spells to attract money or prosperity, or if you're doing spells within your business, including a little piece of pyrite to keep that from getting out of hand would be great. And you can get pyrite in small little chunks that you just kind of stick into places. Um, you can grind up pyrite. You're going to need a hammer. <laughs> You're going to need a hammer to put it into small pieces. But pyrite dust is almost like magical gold glitter. It's just wonderful. And you can mix that into stuff like your incense. You can mix it into your floor wash. You can put it around places. You can... When I make green rice, sometimes I'll, I'll grind up some, some pyrite and I'll put that into my, my lucky green rice there. Of course, be careful if you're putting pyrite all over the place. You don't want to have that sleazy money vibe, but I don't feel like pyrite has a sleazy vibe in general. Sometimes if it actually does look like a gold disco ball, you kind of get like a Studio 54 idea out of it, and that's a little bit sleazy. But otherwise, most people just like it and think it's really interesting. Someone I know who teaches meditation also told me that holding a pyrite in each hand during meditation can help you rebalance and feel refreshed at the end of your meditation. It helps to bring all of that energy that you've kind of built up during your meditation into the physical world. And again, make it into a type of energy that is that is useful to you, something that you can harness and that you can use in your real life. If you're looking to get pyrite, you can get it from Stonebridge. And they have it in crystal chunks, they have it in spheres of various sizes. They have it in tumbled stones. They have it in jewelry quality. And they even have a, a pyrite pendulum that I think is really beautiful. 
So if you guys are looking for a Canadian source for pyrite, you can get it from Stonebridge, and I will be putting a link to that in the blog and in the, the podcast description. So that is the show that I have for you today. I want to throw out a special thank you to Mystical May Moon, who is my new executive producer. They contributed through the Podbean crowdfunding app. Mystical May Moon is at uh, 1666 <laughs> to come see Road East in Windsor, Ontario. So if you guys are looking for a metaphysical store in the Windsor, Detroit area, check out Mystical May Moon. They are a supporter of the podcast. So thank you so much to Ron and Melissa, who are the owners for contributing to the podcast. And thank you everyone for listening. Please check me out on Facebook. Uh, it's the Fat Feminist Witch. Check out my, my website at thefatfeministwitch.com. You can find me on Twitter at Fat Feminist Witch, on Instagram at Fat Feminist Witch, on Tumblr at Fat Feminist Witch. I'm a little bit everywhere. If you type the Fat Feminist Witch into the internet, I'm almost guaranteed to be the one that comes up. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Good luck with Mercury Retrograde, everybody. 